Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here, and this week's very special guest is none other than Kylie from at My Life with Modi. Welcome, Kylie. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We are super excited to have you. And I say we as in like Miriam's here, but she's not. She couldn't make it this weekend, but guys, not to worry. She's going to be back. She's kicking herself because we are both big fans of Kylie. Um, Definitely go follow her on Instagram. Again, that's at my life with Modi, M-O-D-Y, D as in dad. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Audio Life, guys. I spell things out for you. Uh, welcome again, Kylie. So for those who are listening who are unfamiliar, I kind of just want to like, just drop right into what Modi is, if you don't mind sharing, just because otherwise the whole diagnosis story and everything might be a little bit confusing before we get into that. Yeah. So basically Modi is a genetic form of diabetes caused by a gene mutation. And so you um, inherit that gene mutation usually from a parent. So it runs in families and that gene mutation um, causes a bunch of issues. And one of them is typically um, that you are not very good at producing insulin. So, well, we know how you feel with that. Yeah. <laughs> People of any type of diabetes can, can feel that struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the things that was so interesting to me is obviously, I mean, I talk about this all the time, but before I was diagnosed, I knew nothing about diabetes. Um, and coming from the South, it's usually, if anything, um, associated with type 2 specifically. And I think maybe that's not even geographical. That might just be the fact that type 2 is more prevalent mm-hmm. these days. Um, but Modi I, is something I hadn't heard of until, I want to say, a few years ago. And your accounts was one of the first ones that Miriam and I followed that were like, okay, this is finally giving us a very clear-cut breakdown of what it is. And a lot of people say type 3 is like you know, someone that doesn't have diabetes that cares mm-hmm. for others with diabetes, but also like that's that's not really true. Like type three is a real thing and or type one and a half. There's so many different types and just type mm-hmm. one and two. And I think that it's super important to understand that we all have diabetes and it doesn't need to be a stigma. Everyone should be included. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something that I think you do a really great job of explaining on your platform. So if you don't mind dipping a little into your diagnosis story. And let's just, let's hear your life tale. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So when I was about 12 going on 13, um, I was just sitting on my computer, probably on MySpace, because this is like 2007, you know. Um, And my dad came into the room and he was like, somebody let me check their blood sugar. I don't think my meter's working correctly. Um, So my dad also has diabetes. And my mom was like, no, I don't want you to prick my finger. Go, go do Kylie. And <laughs> Classic mom. <laughs> so, so, you know, I just hold out my hand um, and he comes over and he checks my blood sugar and he was like, oh, okay, you need to go to the doctor. Oh, no. <laughs> and, it, and I was like, oh, what, okay, what's happening? And um, so my blood sugar was high. Um, Apparently, it wasn't high enough that they felt they needed to, like, rush me to the doctor. 
because I'm pretty sure I went to school the next day. And because I remember <laughs> being in gym class and like telling a friend like, yeah, I probably have diabetes. So casual. Kids, yeah, just kids like, can just drop those bombs. Like here and there. I'm sure I wasn't super casual, but in my brain, I remember just being like, yeah. Um, so the next day I went to the doctor and they diagnosed me with diabetes and I'm pretty sure they did the antibody testing and all that stuff. So they found out I didn't have type one, but they didn't really know what to diagnose me with. So I was just kind of given this general diagnosis. diabetes diagnosis and I was put on metformin and sent home. And so yeah, they knew that my dad had diabetes and that my grandma also has diabetes. Um, Can I ask what type? I'm assuming type they, 2. Yeah, they were both diagnosed with type 2, I'm pretty sure. And right, their diagnoses so. might have come a little later than mine. So like in their 20s, which isn't uncommon for Modi as well. Um, but it, it makes a it more uncommon. likely that you would get a type 2 diagnosis versus right. a 13-year-old. Um, so yeah, with me, they were just kind of confused. Um, my blood sugar and my A1C still were just kind of struggling to be in range because um, I was only on metformin. Um, so my doctor eventually heard about Modi and was like, okay, this fits this family very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, because it's it's a family. I mean, yeah. That's what Modi is. So. Yeah. So it's it's inherited, it's genetic. Um, and so my dad and my grandma had both been taking a form of medication called sul sulfonylureas um, for, for their diabetes. And that is the type of medication that works the best for people with Modi usually. Um, so my doctor was like, okay, so this medication <laughs> works for you guys. You have this um, genetic component. You kind of have this weird diabetes at the age of 13. So then I was sent to a hospital and they did the genetic testing and it came back and I have Modi 3 diabetes. <laughs> so that is so many levels of interesting from so many perspectives. I obviously, anyone who's listened to any other episode, my favorite thing to do is relate things back to me. So <laughs> I'm sure, and Miriam always has a reason why, but um, I this is very similar to my diagnosis in a sense that I was diagnosed at the age of 20. And um, they were, I mean, obviously you were much younger, but I they couldn't really place where I was. Like I was misdiagnosed for over a year with mm. type 2, because I was showing this insane insulin resistance, mm. but I wasn't, my A1C was, I think the highest it got was 6.4. So they were like, but I also, they had me cut out carbs completely. Mm -hmm. So I was like a miserable for a year yeah. and my, my blood sugars were still all over the place. Mm -hmm. I was getting 300s. I was getting like super bad lows and they put me on metformin for a minute, but I got super sick from that. So it's just... I f I'm like really impressed that your doctor was able to take this information and get you a diagnosis at such a young age with something that is not so widely known. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know I was told that I had type two and I, I have no family history. I have, I was maybe 10, 15 pounds overweight. Um, not that that's like a huge reason for type two, but you know, usually, unfortunately, that's what leads that's to a type two diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a bizarre time for me, but 
it's wild because I mean, now I, 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 they tested me for the antibodies and I did test positive for one of the antibodies and they still were like, you're type two, you're, you're too old for type one. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works, but okay. That's definitely Um, not how it works. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like sick. I was like really sick for a year. And then finally my A1C was like nine and they were like, oh yeah, now you're type one. And I'm like, no, I've been really, okay. it was like a whole thing. Yeah. Head back to season one, episode one, if you want to know more info <laughs> on that. This is not about me. This is about Kylie today. Um, but I am just like really impressed with your doctor and I'm impressed that your dad, I'm like really, I got to stop saying impressed, but I love that you were able to get a diagnosis without feeling sick for a long period of time. Um, and so my story makes it sound like it happened faster than <laughs> I like, think it um, did. No. <laughs> probably took about a year because by the time okay. I got the Modi diagnosis, I was in high school. Gotcha. Um, so it did take some time. I was being treated with just metformin and kind of like, we don't really know what to do. And her blood right. sugar is still high um, for a while, but it did happen fairly quickly compared to a lot of people with Modi. With Modi, right. Yes. That makes sense. And I can't imagine what your father and grandmother went through, you know, prior to that, because being told I mean, the type two regimen in itself, that treatment option for many endocrinologists is just diet exercise. And then hopefully you don't have to get on metformin or eventually insulin. Like there's a whole process. That's kind of what happens with Modi too. It's basically like you should be able to control it with pills. You should, you have to eat low carb. You need to exercise because that's how you control this type of diabetes. So it's, it's very similar to type two a lot of times. Um, But Knowing that you have Modi means that you can get on the sulfonylurea, which is the best type of medication typically for people with Modi instead of metformin, which I know for me doesn't do anything. anything. Right. Yeah. I think that's like a big a big factor in any type of diabetes that you have. There are medications that are special for each type. Mm-hmm. It's not one size fits all. And even though the types tend to blur, um, you know, you can have type one with insulin resistance. You mm-hmm. can have type two with insulin use. You can, there's mm-hmm. so many different things. I mean, the way that each doctor chooses to handle it doesn't always fit each patient. And I think that I can't imagine, I mean, we do have quite a few Modi listeners, listeners with Modi. And I think that I just like kudos to everyone. I always say this, like you made it here in general, like you've made it through your diagnosis, or if you're trying to figure out what's going on with your own body, it's just, I had no idea that there were so many different types and I'm just so interested to see what other types we find in the coming years. And the fact that you were able to get on the proper medication at all. Like I know for me, my proper diagnosis was a struggle and a half. So Mm -hmm. I know how that feels and I can't imagine just being told at 13, Hey, you have diabetes. We don't know what's going on. (laughs) Like we don't really know what type, but you, you have it. <laughs> Do you and your dad ever just like text each other about what's going on? Is it helpful to have a dad who knows what you're going through? Um, Somewhat. So he still, I think, kind of has that type 2 diagnosis Mentality. and so does my grandma because um, okay. they never got tested, I don't think, after gotcha. I did. So even though it basically shows that they have it since I tested for it, um, they still haven't gotten the official diagnosis. Gotcha. Um, so... We talk about it sometimes um, in like food and sometimes we compare yes. A1Cs and stuff. And so it was nice growing up having a dad who has also had diabetes because, you know, he understood and our family was already used to eating a certain way right. and um, kind of used to diabetes being there in general. 
Um, but we don't, yeah, we don't talk about diabetes that much. That's, that's honestly nice. I mean, my <laughs> grandfather, who's 94, he's about to turn 95, was just diagnosed with type 2 within the last year or two. And honestly, I'm like, in your 90s, just live it up. Like, yeah. I'm like, does that even count Do you as even... being a diagnosis? Because like most people don't live that long. So maybe like your pancreas is just resistant at that point. Like his doctors are like hesitant to give him an actual diagnosis. Yeah. But he's so cute. He always calls me and asks questions. And I'm like, Grandpa, you got to talk to your doctor. I'm Aww. not your doctor. <laughs> and um, it's it's Passover right now for all of our Jewish listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he was, we're all vaccinated right now. Very lucky and very happy about that. So I got to see my grandpa for the first time in a very long time last night for Passover outdoors for Seder. And he just kept turning to me. He's like, Emily, can we eat this? And my grandma keeps asking me, Emily, can, can he eat this? And I'm like, Oh my God, guys help me. So like, I always, I always feel for families that have, um, different types of diabetes within the family as well, because as much as we do know how similar they are, it doesn't matter if you both have type one, type two, whatever, mm-hmm. every body is different. And I do not want to be responsible for yeah. my grandpa <laughs> having like a dangerous high or a dangerous low. Yeah. So it's a, uh, I hear you. Like, it's not always fun to discuss with family, but it's cool to know someone who knows what it's like to prick their finger yeah. is the moral of my story. So Enough about me again, SOS. Uh, my next question has more to do with your Instagram. Can you tell me a little bit about like what spurred starting that and your journey with the gram? Yeah. So I started following a bunch of people with type one on my personal account um, and just following more people with diabetes and getting more interested in the community. And I kept searching for people with Modi, you know, like searching the hashtag Modi, searching for names of people with Modi in their names. And I just couldn't find any. Um, So I was like, you know what? It's we're in lockdown. I have nothing else to do. And I created my account and didn't really have any plans for it. Just besides being like, hi, I'm here. (laughs) I'm joining the community. And it's really turned into this kind of amazing thing where I'm doing lots of educational posts and also just fun posts about my life. And um, it's become so much bigger than I ever expected it to, honestly. I find that the most rewarding things are things that come from a place of wanting to learn more. And I think your page is just the perfect example of that. I love the fun mixed with informational. Like, again, I just feel like this episode's all about my ignorance, but I had no idea that there were other uncommon forms. I mean, of diabetes, I should say. Obviously, I know about... um, gestational diabetes because Mm -hmm. I feel like every influencer these days who's like not diabetic is posting about gestational diabetes right now at least like half the people I follow everyone's pregnant right now it's bizarre so they're all getting they're all doing their um their gestational diabetes tests and I'm like oh that sucks but also like you don't have diabetes so (laughs) Um, I should say they're not they're usually not testing positive they're just complaining about the test which does like yeah, health, it does look but, gross, but <laughs> yeah, I, it sounds very stressful. Also, imagine like learning that you have gestational diabetes after they force you to chug like six gallons of sugar water. I'm like, that would just be rude. I'm like, will you cause this? Well, you didn't yeah, cause it, but that's why my blood sugar is high. <laughs> yeah, um, we should definitely do an episode on gestational diabetes. So I yeah. sound a little bit less ignorant, but um, it's just it's interesting. Do you have any 
I mean, I know we're, we're all young and I'm not questioning you about your future plans with children, but I'm wondering, do you know if Modi is something that you, that you could pass down since it is a genetic issue? Yeah. So each of my children will have a 50% chance of um, having diabetes, having Modi three specifically. Um, so that's something I've had to think about a lot and decide, you know, do I want to pass this on? I mean, there's also a 50% chance that they won't have diabetes. That's right. That's okay. Odds. Right. Um, but <laughs> so, I, so I've had, yeah, I've had some feelings of guilt about the fact that I want to have children and that I could very possibly pass on diabetes to them. But then I also think I'm not mad at my dad for passing it on to me or having children. Um, Granted, he didn't know. He didn't know that he had a chance of passing it on, um, whereas I do. But yeah, I'm not mad that I have diabetes. I'm happy to be alive. I love my life with diabetes. (laughs) Um, So yes, snaps for Kylie, um, 100%. (laughs) And I think that that's like a big point of our Pancreas Pals is – There are aspects that really do suck about diabetes. No matter what form you have, we have this burden, but we also have a whole new look on life. And pandemic aside, just having to dose ourselves with whether it be a a type of medication like metformin or sulfonuria or insulin, it's just you're constantly on something, but we are beating the odds every day. And, um, you know, 200 years ago, this wasn't a diagnosis that would have Mm -hmm. even happened. So, while things are depressing at times, and Miriam and I love to discuss having pity parties and the fact that you're allowed to have some sometimes, uh-huh. I think coming back at the end of the day and having the ability to check your blood sugar is a blessing in and of itself. And it's just wild. People always ask, I'm sure they ask you the same thing, like, how do you do it? How do you prick your finger? How do you manage I diabetes? And I'm like, I look at them and I'm like, you know, you know, at first it really, I was like, I felt the same way when I was first diagnosed. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, like, how am I going to do this? But then it's like, what's the alternative? You know, what if you didn't take care of yourself? We've all had unexpected high blood sugars or unexpected Mm -hmm. low blood sugars. We know how that feels. Whether or not you've had burnout in any form and not wanted to deal with something, we all feel the effects of that. And wouldn't you rather just feel better? So it's, it's like anyone who's been through that, I'm always, I just look at them now and I'm like, well, you know, I don't really have a choice. Like, yeah, if I want to feel healthy and good, I just I do it and yeah, you just I mean, keep on yeah. with your day. You find a way to deal with it. And anyone who's ever diagnosed with any type of chronic illness knows what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um which kind of my tangent aside, does Modi have anything to do with any other uh chronic illnesses or autoimmune diseases? Um not autoimmune. So Modi is not autoimmune, which people ask me a lot. Um so you, as you guys know, with type one, it's an autoimmune disorder. Your body's attacking your beta right. cells. Um, with Modi, it's just that you, you have that faulty gene. DNA. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And so there are some types of Modi that, um, cause other problems. So I know like Modi five has huge connections to, um, kidney problems. And so they have a lot of kidney renal cysts and um, they can also have um, pancreatic insufficiency. So their pancreas um, will be deformed or will be too small and won't create those enzymes that you need to break down food. So a lot of people with Modi 5 end up taking Creon when they eat um, to help them digest their food. Um, 
so there are um, connections to a few other things with some forms of Modi. I do not have anything else. Um, so yeah, mine is just connected to diabetes, um, but other people do have other issues connected to their gene mutation. So there's many different forms of Modi, many different numbers associated with yes, Modi. And there are up to this is just about the diabetes times. associated one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. Um, well, that's a lot to, to unpack there. But um, can you walk us through an average day with Modi? Like eating, what's your, you know, what are the differences that you find? And I know everyone with Modi, Modi type three has a different routine, but let's just talk about Kylie's. Um, so for me currently, I have been on insulin now for about a year. Um, I was on like three different type two medications um, before that for the first 13 years of having diabetes. And so when I was on the just oral medication, I was, um, when I decided to actually get my life together and try to take care of my diabetes while I was on the oral medication. We've um, all been there. Because yeah, for four years of college, I just pretended like I didn't have it. Um, but Literally when I was just, everyone, you're fine. Yeah, we're, we're all, <laughs> we're all the same. Judgment-free um, zone. But yeah, so when I was just on the oral medication, I had to eat really low carb. I was trying to eat under like 30 carbs a day. Um, yeah, it was it was rough. And I was still experiencing blood sugars. Like I would eat an egg and go up to 250 for no apparent reason. Um, so oh, it was really, yeah, it was really annoying. Um, my A1C was good. It was 6.3. And so, of course, the doctors were like, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. But I wasn't eating <laughs> carbs at all. Life, I, yeah, right. my quality of life wasn't super great because I was scared of carbs. I was scared to eat more than like five carbs at a time. Um, and I was experiencing all these um, spikes that seemed to have no explanation, even though I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to. Um, so I actually switched to insulin because I'd like to have children at some point soon. And um, all the oral medications aren't really approved for gotcha. um, pregnancy. So I've switched to insulin now. And so I would say my, my treatment and my kind of day-to-day -day life are much more similar now to a person with type 1. So I inject for meals. I take my long-acting insulin at night. Um, but I'm now able to eat carbs again. And so it's a brave new world, right? My, my life has been changed. <laughs> I can't imagine. Do you think you'll ever go back knowing that you can live this I'm, eating certain way now? Yeah, I think I'm willing to try maybe combination of pills and insulin, like seeing if pills could cover my basal needs instead right. of doing that injection at night. Or maybe if I could take pills and only take the long acting. There, there are different ways people with Modi do it, um, but we do have those pills as an option to try, which is kind of nice. So I know that in the future, if I'm just so over having to inject, I'm kind of lucky that I could yeah. try to switch to something else and that I get these different options. Right. Um, that's so, I mean, <laughs> my tagline on this episode is, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but it really is. And I think that, it is important to know, yeah, it might seem, it might feel lucky that you have options, but it's also, it comes with its own set of uh, cocktails, if you will, in terms of what's right for you. So there mm -hmm. are plenty of people 
with different types of diabetes that are on their own types of cocktail of medications. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, it's really cool that you potentially don't need to inject yourself, but also there is just something so beautiful about landing a bolus after eating a certain amount that you're like chef's kiss. This is amazing. Yeah. And being able to bring my blood sugar down when it's high, because that was not a tool that I had when I was on pills. So if I decided, you know what, tonight I'm going to eat pizza because I haven't had it for six months and I just, I'm going to live it up tonight. And my blood sugar went up to 350 there was nothing I could do about it. I just went to bed and woke up the next day, maybe at 250 and then just kind of had to wait for my blood sugar to come back down. It just, it was just a waiting game. So having the tools now to kind of control what my blood sugar is doing, like I have the control has been really, really nice. And I think that that's definitely something that a lot of people with type two struggle with in terms of, and why it's become such a food focused type, Mm -hmm. if you will, because they don't necessarily, and a lot of doctors aren't quick to prescribe insulin because it is hard to come back when you're type two from pill, from medications that aren't. Yeah. There's also, (laughs) there's also, um, such a, like you're not supposed to take insulin if you have type two and sometimes with Modi, like I felt a lot of people, uh, some people like me take insulin. And then there are some people who are like, well, I eat a carnivore diet so that I don't have to take insulin. Right. And I'm like, N- what? If you, if I have to live on meat to not take insulin, like that is not the life I want to live. No. And, and I will say that it's not, meat can cause you to spend there. Nothing, stress, meat, whatever it is, uh-huh. there are different things outside of food that factor into every single person, diabetic or not, their blood sugar. And I think that, I keep saying I think that, I know that doctors need to start opening their uh, their prognosis, their treatment plans to fit each individual patient. Like, yeah. I just keep thinking of my grandpa who is almost 95. And if he wants to eat the piece of cake, eat the damn piece of cake, but also give the cake. him the tools. Yeah, give him the tools to make sure he doesn't go into DKA or feel gross, you know, like obviously that one piece of cake isn't going to send him into DKA at this point in his diabetes career, if you will. Um, But it just, it kills me seeing all the burnout that, that ends up happening with every type of diabetes because we're not given the proper tools to, Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, this is, it's okay. If you want to take insulin, it's okay. If you Mm want to do this. Yeah. And you know, just whatever gets people through another day safely. Yeah. So like needing to add another medication or needing to take insulin is not a failure. It's just another right. tool to manage your diabetes and hopefully have you feeling good and staying healthy. A thousand percent. And the same thing can be said for mental health. Um, mm-hmm. Adding whatever medication makes you able to function and happy and get you to a place that you want to be to live a happy life. A thousand percent, which kind of leads me to not medication related, but your job, which is you are a musical therapist, which might be one of the coolest professions that ever (laughs) exists. Um, For those of you watching this on YouTube, you can see the guitar in the background of Kylie's um, Kylie's room. And uh, is that a ukulele? Is that a... Yeah, I have a gitalele and a ukulele on the wall, a few guitars back there, a bunch of props and instruments over there. This is kind of our office and musical storage room. <laughs> My twin sister's obsessed with um with ukuleles. So it, when she listens to this, I'm sure you're gonna get a DM from her later <laughs> being like, oh my God, tell me everything about playing. But 
what is it like being a musical therapist while also managing a chronic illness of your own? Yeah. So yeah, I'm a board certified music therapist. Um, and I mostly work with um, people with intellectual and developmental dis- developmental disabilities and um, <laughs> and older adults in nursing homes, um, a lot of who have dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, up until starting insulin, I don't think I really thought about diabetes at all related to being a music therapist. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Whereas now I, you know, have to like maybe check in the middle of a session right. just to make sure. Um, but I think having a chronic illness can kind of help me to connect better with some clients who are going through things that are chronic, lifelong disability um, we're kind of, you know, in it together. Like, I'm like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> Whereas maybe someone without wouldn't understand it quite as well. A thousand percent. And ugh, I really wish Miriam was here because you guys would be chatting it up about this. Um, she also sees a lot of diabetic patients. She's a licensed mental health counselor. So she sees, but she also works with a lot of really elderly patients or those that are chronically ill. Um, typically beyond just chronically ill, that those are declining. So um, it's definitely, I just, kudos to, to both of you, to all the, the mental health experts out there. I, it is such a time, especially during a pandemic, no matter where you are, I, I can only imagine the happiness that some music can bring people all over the world right now. Yeah, I have been, I, you know, so working in nursing homes when the pandemic hit, I, basically got a bunch of emails that were just like, sorry, you can't come to group anymore. Um, But now with the vaccine, um, I am back in at a few places. And so, you know, people are getting that interaction that they really weren't able to get at all during like full on lockdown. And so um, going in, yeah, going in and just actually being able to interact with people is awesome for me. And it's awesome for them. And yeah, it's been really awesome too. It's for the families too. I just came from um, seeing my 98-year-old grandmother who's fully vaccinated and I'm fully vaccinated, still wear masks. She's in a nursing home. Mm -hmm. But it's just so different uh, talking on the phone versus seeing Mm -hmm. them in person. But also you can tell that it's, it's really worn on a lot of these people in nursing homes and let alone the actual COVID cases that have been happening and the deaths that occurred at various nursing homes. Mm -hmm. It's just the cognitive uh, differences between her being secluded for all those months versus coming and being able to, to see her in person. She was a little rough at first um, in terms of like memories and Mm -hmm. in terms of knowing what was going on and who we were. But then once we came back like two or three times and she started being allowed to see other vaccinated people, she is, pretty much back to her old self, knock on wood. And at 98, I'm like, yeah. damn. Um, she still remembers that I'm not married. Uh, she still remembers <laughs> that my boyfriend's not Jewish. But um, it's, uh, it's Memory great. Memory on though. point. <laughs> I know. I'm like, really, Grandma? Like, last week, you were, like, wondering which grandchild I was. And this week, this week you remember all your favorite things. But um, at the same time, I love it because she's always been a firecracker. But I know 
the piano really helps her. And she, uh, she always wanted to be an opera singer. She always talks about her, how she auditioned for Juilliard and she like got in, but she didn't want to go after that. Like, you know, all those classic grandma types of stories. And um, when they play that, when she gets to play the piano or when someone plays Mm -hmm. the piano for her, it just perks her right up. And yeah. she sings, and I, I just, I see the benefits of that firsthand mm-hmm. without, you know, doing any of the work. So <laughs> kudos to you, and just from a from a family member of a long term care person, uh, I applaud you, and I love the work that all therapists, especially musical therapists, do. So that is dope. Um, we're about to wrap up, but I just want to thank you. First of all, thank you for letting me go off on my classic tangents. Of course. It's usually here to rein me in a bit, but here we are. We made it through. Um, is there any quick last things that you wanted to bring up? I feel like we touched on a lot. I can't think of a ton. Um... <laughs> I know. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. That's all me, not you. Uh, we definitely discussed Modi. If anyone has any more questions about Modi, definitely hit up Kylie at my life with Modi on Instagram. Also Google's your friend. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to volunteer Kylie's time and efforts into educating you. So definitely uh, reach out with caution. Yeah. So many (laughs) of my posts, I, what I'm learning and then sending on to you guys in my posts are just lots and lots of Googling and then like compiling that information into like a, yeah. (laughs) Thanks. I love the graph. Yeah. Right? Retweet on that. Um, but yeah, so Google's your friend. Yes. Um, libraries are also really cool. New York Public Library now has a whole online section, so you don't have to be in New York to access the amazingness of that. That is an unsponsored plug, but I just found the beauty of the New York Public Library. You can get an app on your phone, and that has saved me in quarantine, so would recommend no matter where you are. Um But thank you so much, Kylie. We really appreciate it. Definitely want to do a whole other episode on musical therapy with Miriam, if that's something (laughs) in our future. And I'm sure we'll find a way to tie it back to diabetes like we always do. (laughs) But we're big proponents of mental health here at Pancreas Pals. And so I just really cannot stress enough how much we love what you're doing. And also, I'm sad that Miriam wasn't able to talk to you because I just know that would have been great. But you're amazing. Thank you so much. Again, everyone, go follow Kylie at My Life with Modi on Instagram. You can follow us at pancreas underscore pals on Instagram, on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. Hit us up. DMs on everything. We love to hear from you guys. Also, you can email us at pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. And that is my quick little spiel on how to access us. If you want to watch this video, it will be available on YouTube. Just don't judge the way that I talk or look. And um, this will be one of the first episodes that I put up, but we want to make sure that this is accessible to everyone. So Thanks again for joining us and you're, you've been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me and for wanting to tell people about other types of diabetes. Yes. I think this is going to be a whole new package that I want us to do. I want to talk to a whole bunch of different people from all over the world. Um, so everyone who is interested in learning about other types, which hopefully is everyone because everyone has their own story and everyone's experience is their own. So stay tuned, guys. More to come for season eight of Pancreas Pals. Have a great week, everyone. And thanks again, Kylie. You're welcome.